Direct from Montreal, Canada, this is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon, a special midweek edition. I uh, had a few uh, extra moments on my hands, so I figured, okay, let's just throw out a, a special episode. And uh, this one is with one of my favorite singers, a guy named Tuck Smith. He was with a band called The Biters, and their albums, if you can go find them on Spotify, so just absolutely fantastic rock and roll. Just brilliant, 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 brilliant rock and roll. However, in this day and age, it's hard to keep a, a, a band going, so they disbanded, and Tuck is now solo, uh, and he's got a band called uh, Tuck Smith and the Restless Hearts, or he's part of a formation called uh, Tuck Smith and the Restless Hearts, and they will be on tour all summer playing stadiums. And I, I don't know what you're thinking. What? What do you mean they're playing stadiums? Uh, they will be the uh, fifth band on the uh, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, etc., etc. tour. And their new album coming out shortly is called Looking for Love, Ready for War. So I'm just, I, I sat down for 20 minutes with Tuck Smith. In fact, I sat down three times with Tuck Smith because uh, the day he called his cell phone coverage because they were on tour was just abysmal, and the line dropped a couple of times, so we had to make three separate calls to get this uh, conversation done in full. But but through the magic of uh, editing, we will stitch it all together and make it sound terrific. So here, without further ado, is uh, the one, uh, the only, Tuck Smith. We are speaking with uh, singer Tuck Smith of, of course, uh, Tuck Smith and the Restless Hearts. The band will be opening up for the uh, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison Stadium Tour, uh, as we say in Montreal, talk uh, bonjour. How are you? Bon- bonjour. Yeah, hi- thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, you know, listen, I, I have been a fan of your of yours going back to the days when you were with the Biters. I really thought the Biters were going to be the next big thing. The songs were there, the energy was there, the vibe was there, the live performances were there. But now we've got Tuck Smith and the Restless Hearts, and I am thrilled. So talk to me about that transition and not being Tuck Smith of the Restless Hearts, but being Tuck Smith and the Restless Hearts, putting your face and your name and your brand on on the front. And, and what does that mean for fans? Well, it was definitely not an ego thing uh, to be to be a solo artist. I, I was kind of forced into it, for better or worse. There was many, many reasons why biters had to disband and, you know, and the biters, I, I was writing the song. Um, it was pretty much the same as it is now of my, my solo band, but we started biters together. And I, my vision for that project when it started was to be a band like the Ramones or the clash. So this transition was a little different. I, you know, I had some kind of weird feelings about people are going to think I'm an egomaniac or anything. It, it wasn't like that. I kind of had to do it to keep keep playing music. And uh, here I am. I don't know how it happened, but it did. It did. So so talk to me about, you, you have a new album coming out, um, which will be out, I guess, in, in the summer. Uh, talk to me about musically. Is it is it a great departure for fans that don't know you and and want to check out Looking for Love and Ready for War? Is it just straight up rock and roll? Are, are, are you know are we doing disco? You know the fan that doesn't know you, and that's why we're here to try to introduce you to those fans. Right. What can they expect? Do you have a free copy of the album? 
I do not have a pre-copy of the album. Okay. I have heard the okay. uh, the single, of course, What Kind of Love. Okay. And I love it. But listen, I'm biased. I'm sold. I bought everything <laughs> the Biters. I bought everything the Biters ever did. I tracked down all the B-sides and the uh, unusual singles and the Japanese. That I bought it all. And I bought it. I didn't get any freebies. I love buying stuff because you have to support your artist. That is a message that we must repeat repeatedly. Yes. Um, But no. So, so what? What can fans expect? They don't know you. They go to Poison, and they're they're expecting uh, Cat Dragged In, and they're expecting Wild Side, and they're expecting uh, Pour Some Sugar on Me, and they go, Why? Why do I bother go seeing this guy? So, what are they going to get? Complex question. Well, I think that. In Biters, when we started, there was kind of more of a, a punk influence. But but I've always been a power pop guy. It's always been my, my core thing, um, especially 70s power pop. But I think on my, my solo record, you know, I, I wrote the songs in Biters, so it's not going to sound like a completely different person. The difference is on Biters, I was making the records with my friend Dan Dixon and involved in producing it and hands-on. So I had a different producer on this record. So it's going to give me a different sound. And what I will say is it sounds massive. So my goal was to really, instead of in my previous band, champion bands like T-Rex and, and Slade and, and Sweet and things like that, I, this time there's more of an American sound. And there's more cheap tricks. There's more Tom Petty, there's more Springsteen, there's more elements like that. There's some Americana tunes, there's some Motown tunes, um, some hard rockers. So I really, it's a big scope of the styles of music, just a lot of love. Really guitar driven, lots of harmonies, lots of big hooks. And my intent was to make a big rock and roll record that mattered. Um, And I think I accomplished it. Yeah, and of course, listen, you've got Rob Cavallo, who's worked with Green Day, Eric Clapton, Fleetwood Mac, and others. But for you, doing this project, is this just the next logical step in the career? Or does this feel like you're starting on over and you're like, okay, here we go, step one. How do you sort of see this, <laughs> right? Is it is it starting over or is it the next logical step? I don't think, I don't think it's either because I'd already built kind of a cult small but very loyal and awesome cult following with biters and and most of those people have carried on over with me to this thing and and i'm very grateful but it does feel like the next logical step because in some ways because I, i always write songs in solitude and i spent a lot of time alone writing writing this album and that's kind of how the last couple biters records were too so the the creative process was the same but it felt like starting over because I had to fight and kick my way to, to, to get a deal, to get the record made. I had to put a whole new band over. So that all felt like starting over from square one. What doesn't is the first major tours I'm doing are with Motley Crue and Def Leppard. I mean, that's not starting over. That, that's great. But I feel like I have more than paid my dues and it feels deserving but I'm also very humbled and grateful at the same time. So it's, it's a weird balance of everything. It really is. So what are some of the, and you're also doing that tour with airborne. You're well, not all the entire tour, but a few select dates. And of course the one in Montreal is not one of the select dates, you know, God forbid. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) I was bummed. I was hoping you'd apologize. No, I'm kidding. Uh, But, but Um, what are some of the challenges for a new artist in this day and age? I mean, it's easy for Motley Crue to throw up their name and get a stadium full of people 
it's easy for Kiss to go out there and put up their name and get a, you know an arena full of people. What do you have to do to get to that level? You know, we talk a lot about social media, social media, social media, but does it come out just to getting out there and being on an airborne tour and being on a, like, is it just live shows? Is it being savvy on the social media? What's your, what's, what do you need to do? Well, this is, yeah, this is a a really, really complex question because it it feels like a a free for all right now um, with kind of like the rock and roll industry, if, if you're a band. And without sounding too too jaded or, or, or being nasty, a lot of the industry is ran by bands and people that have a lot of money or somebody, they have a parent or somebody that's connected to the industry. And I, and I guess it's always been like that when I talk to people. So there's a lot of buy on bands. You can afford to get a producer, they'll do it. So right there, one guy went to manage me a long time ago. And the first question he asked was, is anybody in the band rich? Because that's the best way to get there. I imagine that's always been the case. Second is, even to get tours like Airborne, it's so bureaucratic and there's so much red tape. It's so hard to get a tour. It's so elite and clicky that you've just got to keep beating and beating and beating the fuck out of the door until you make your own break. And with Biters, I was super aggressive. We were an unsigned band forever and we were doing tours with like Danko Jones and Ace Freely, uh, social distortion you know nice mid-level tours just recording our own records and kind of doing it and just going out there and making your own way so i feel like there is kind of like a diy approach you have to take and really kind of just push it without looking back until you kind of chisel something out for yourself um and then the social media thing is a whole nother animal because they want that's just part of the game nowadays and sometimes i think like if kurt cobain or bon scott or some of these big rock guys how would they act if they had to be actively taking part in social media it would be really weird i imagine like mark bowen would be taking selfies all day but you think bon scott or kurt cobain would be taking selfies and being on there it's a weird dynamic shift to think about and it's just something you have to do now you know you're right you're really right it is kind of strange could could you imagine especially a band like kiss in the early days imagine if twitter had been around in 1975 are they going to spend their days posting pictures of them eating breakfast at Denny's in their full makeup or it would have been kind of crazy. Now we have, of course, mentioned the biters a couple of times. You do have a great discography with them. Do you, you know, play those songs, update them, make them your own? Do you just ignore it and say, no, I'm starting over. We're going to play and push the new music. What do you do with the catalog? Um, I feel like biters is a complete, I'm not trying to forget the biters and people are going to be, but this is a completely separate thing that has nothing to do with biters at all. The only thing that has to do with biters is there was a song I named my new band afterwards uh, because it wasn't copyrighted because every band name is taken forever. And that, that's about all. And, and I love that. And I kind of want to preserve its legacy for better or worse separately. So it's, it's all new stuff now. So what kinds of, of set list are we looking at? What, what, are, what are the time allotments they've given you on this tour? I'm imagining as the fifth act on a five-act bill, we're looking at, what, 25 minutes, 30 minutes? Well, yeah, t- t- 20 to 25, depending on the show. And I've been, Biters did a Kerrang tour a couple years ago, uh, opened it for some 41, and we were like first to four, and we literally were getting 18 minutes. And it's not even enough to get started. But I think if the tour goes along, they're going to see 
how it's moving and they're probably going to be able to bump our setup a little bit. But that being said, I'm going to try to put on the best 25 minute show I can possible uh, for folks and just rapid fire as much as I can out. So yeah, keep uh, keep the uh, hey people, welcome to whatever down to a minimum, and just just get to the songs. But uh, no, no Paul Stanley banter in between songs. I don't have time. You're not going to separate the audience into two sides and make them cheer for you. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do the Freddie Mercury thing everybody's doing now, where they go. La, 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 la. <laughs> I don't have time to do it. Which is disappointing. Now, while you're on the tour, I know, of course, that they have radius clauses and you can't go. But, but do you see yourself taking the the show to a club, you know, outside of the radius and and playing some extra nights or doing like two gigs in a day or or off nights or are you really just going to focus on the Motley Crew and Def Leppard tour and that is it and you don't want to burn yourself out no no no. i'm going to try to play as much as possible i mean if there's a way where we can get a little bit of scratch to make it worth it and i can connect with people in a small club i'm definitely going to do that that's why i'm out there you're already out there i want to play man um so we are definitely working on that we're trying to see what we can and can't do with, with, with live nation um and as long as we're allowed to do it, I'm going to try to play as much as possible. That That is perfect. I, I remember years ago having seen one of these Poison tours with Faster Pussycat on it. And they literally played in Mansfield, Massachusetts. And about an hour and a half after their set, they were playing in Rhode Island. And I went for both. I thought it was fantastic. I, you know, hey. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. The more you, more you play, the better it is. Um, You did say, of course, it's going to be a big rock record, big. You know, you're going to hark back to some of that 70s sound and all. How difficult do you think will that be to get to radio, to get to, you know, the serious XMs of this world? Is the is the sound not meant for modern radio or are you going to try to, you know, turn it around and get some classic rock stations? You know, is is rock music, I don't want to say is rock music dead because it's not. That's a silly thing to say, but is it more difficult to sell a rock album these days? I don't know because I'm so close to it. You know, I'm obsessed with rock and roll, but I, I will say this. What people are calling alternative and, and new rock, a lot of it doesn't even have uh, gu- guitars or any elements of what you would call rock. Uh, but, you know, things like Imagine Dragons are considered rock. So I think the the definition has changed. But I think with my producer and, and me, when we were making our record, you he, he said he knows there's an audience for this kind of American rock and roll. And he says, but they don't know it yet. And he says the goal was to make it sound so fucking good that they just want to listen to it. So my record, while it harkens back and my influences are very from all the, the cornerstones of classic rock and roll, it sounds, competes with anything fidelity-wise. It fucking smashes. So I think that's going to be, be exciting. But I also think that you're seeing some new upcoming bands. And I think there, all these rock movies has really got a younger audience in uh, into rock and roll and i think that's that's really good and hopefully the tides are turning back the other way i think they are and and, and of course looking for love uh, ready for war uh, out this summer and uh, i will finish on this uh, you are of course doing this uh, tour with the Leopard and motley crew and poison and joan jett are you a fan of those bands and, and what have they meant to you R- regardless if you're a fan of music or not they certainly led the way in terms of marketing, in terms of concept, in terms of presentation. Uh, give me a little quote about about sort of the, the, the main three, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, and Poison. Let's let's start off with the with Motley Crue. 
Well, I mean, growing up, I was a huge Motley Crue fan, and, and you've got to understand that some of my rock and roll heroes were, were Keith Richards and, and Johnny Thunder. Hello? C- can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Oh, cell phone service. Let's get right back to uh, Tuck Smith. We are going to uh, welcome back uh, Tuck Smith. We were in the middle of uh, an answer, and of course, uh, computer gremlins uh, moved us along. But we were talking about your impressions of Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Poison. Now, of course, you were saying you were a big, big fan of uh, Motley Crue. So let, let's pick that up with with your uh, affinity for that band. Well, yeah, I I read the dirt when I when I was first getting into drugs real heavy and partying. Uh, so Nikki Six was a big kind of a big influence, but you know, his idol rock and roll heroes were like Keith Richards and Johnny Thunders and Mark Bolan. And those are three, three of my favorites too. So, and, and you know, he loved bands like sweet and cheap trick. And those are all like, you're naming like my, my favorite things. So I think we'll have a lot in common with that. Yeah, that'll be great. And, and of course you've got Def Leppard on there. Now that's, that's maybe not as, you know, image wise, it's not as dirty rock and roll, but you can't deny photograph and fooling and pour some sugar on me. I mean, it's it's great arena rock done at that other level, right? Yeah, as far as songwriting goes and production, like me at this point in my career, I only really care about songwriting. That's my number one priority. So those are really well crafted songs. Pop hooks, huge. Uh, and some when we were doing this record, Cavallo would go. Yeah, this one's like Def Leppard. And he, he would say that, and I'd go, what do you mean this doesn't sound like Def Leppard? He goes, what I mean is you're just giving me the fucking hook. You're just giving it to me. So, yeah, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. When do I get to hear this record? I need to hear this record. I can't wait. I can't you, wait. You've got you've, you've to email the woman from my label that hooked this up, and she'll probably send you advance copy. Oh, there you go. Um, and, that's and, what you should do. Uh, recently, Doc McGee was uh, talking about how KISS – on their end of the road tour might actually only be the end of the road for Gene and Paul leaving the door open to maybe it's not the end of the band. And maybe there will be sort of like a rock star in excess kiss version show coming down the road. Uh, I know you've been a big kiss fan. The biters have done shows in kiss makeup. Would you be interested to, to give it a shot and maybe be in kiss version 2.0? Do you want me to be honest? I already got the Paul Stanley official boots and I already know how to do the makeup and I already know a lot of the early catalog. I think I could crush it. Yeah. I'd love to prank. I have to grow a little more chest hair though. A little more. Yeah. Well, or you can just uh, glue it on, you know, cosmetic, uh, (laughs) a wig, a chest wig. Why not? Yeah. I could probably probably figure that out. Maybe shave, shave some of my dog's hair off, put it on there. You know how it goes. Yeah, I know how it goes. Anyway, there we go. Uh, Tuck Smith. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be fine. Uh, Tuck Smith and the Restless Hearts uh, debut album, Looking for Love, Ready for War, out this summer. And, of course, uh, the band on tour. Uh, a few dates with Airborne. And then, of course, off to the big, the big, big uh, stadium tour. And uh, spending your uh, your summer on a stadium tour cannot suck. I got to tell you that. No, it's going to be awesome, man. I can't wait. I got to get me one of those, like, little hoverboard to ride around backstage and uh anyway uh, there you go tuck uh, thank you so much that was a joke though i'm not gonna get a hoverboard man come on well you know listen uh, tommy lee runs around <laughs> in, a, in a hoverboard and when they did the end tour with alice cooper if you remember he missed like two weeks or a month because he literally fell off the hoverboard backstage and busted up his um wrist so might be a 
Might be dangerous for you to well, do. Well, that's because he was, that's because he was running butt naked, and I heard he's got a bunch of uh, piercings on his privates, and he was knocking his balance off. That's what I heard. <laughs> Probably true, actually. Uh, anyway, I made that up. Sorry. Ah, it's okay. We we'll we'll just throw that on the internet. And let folks uh, run with it. Why not? Add to don't the. Don't do uh... that. Don't, don't please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I won't. Yeah, let's not get you kicked okay. off the tour before it starts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks. yeah, and of course, uh, you'll be playing all the great stadiums. Uh, it's got it's going to be great to play like a place like Fenway Park. I mean, I'm a little jealous of that, but uh, as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup. Thank you. As we say in Georgia, you're goddamn right. <laughs> Cheers, sir. Merci. Have a good day. Thank you, buddy. Good talk to you. Bye. You too. Here's Paul Stanley to tell you why he doesn't want to shake your hand. Some people might have a little rock and roll pneumonia. Ugh, not even cold gin will kill those germs. This is Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon.